3: Hello, and welcome to the special edition of the Politically Georgia podcast. I'm your host, Greg Bluestein, and today I'm joined by an all-star lineup of colleagues to chat about the Atlanta mayoral election. We've got AJC City Hall reporters J.D. Capilouto and Will Nobles, along with all of our bosses, Leroy Chapman, to help you decipher what happened and how it happened with the election. Greetings, gentlemen. Hello. Hello.
1: Hey, thanks for having me.
3: Of course. So we've got a surprise runoff.
0: I am confident that people have heard our message for change and agree with us that Atlanta deserves more. You chose a path to the future tonight. The people decided that it was time to
3: save the soul of our city. That was Councilman Andre Dickens, who turned the undecided vote his way to storm past former... Atlanta Mayor Kasim Reed into the what we think will be the second runoff position against City Council President Felicia Moore to become the next mayor of Atlanta November 30th. Let's start with the upset from last night. It's Dickens and not Kasim Reed who appears to be moving on. It's about moving us forward. Yeah. Together, locking arms yeah. towards an Atlanta that works for yeah. all of us. Yes. Yeah. It's yeah. about unifying our city and not dividing it. Councilman Dickens explained how he made his move on Channel 2 Action News.
0: Yeah, well, you know, this is an exciting time in Atlanta where people uh, were were trying to make a decision. Forty percent were undecided throughout September, October, and then towards the middle of October after debates, after forums, and after a lot of meet and greets and going around shaking hands, knocking on doors, I ended up convincing a large number of people to go from undecided to making a decision to choose me as their candidate for mayor. I made the case about improving Atlanta in a way that's inclusive for everyone, solving our crime problem, and leading us into the future. And people actually listened and they got involved because there was a lot of voter fatigue because we voted a whole Mm -hmm. lot during covid Folks started paying attention in October, and I'm glad they did, and that got me to where I am today.
3: Okay, no one has been watching these races as close as J.D. and Will. Will, you first. Are you surprised by Andre Dickens' late surge, and how did this happen?
0: Yeah, I think there are several <clears throat> factors at play. I mean, for first of all, I, I keep bringing this up. We are literally living in a pandemic, and so I, I talked to a few political strategists today, And they told me that, um, you know, you have to keep in mind these folks have to try and motivate people to come outside and actually vote during a public health crisis. And in addition to that, you know, so many things have changed in in the past four years, right? I mean, you know, we had the public unrest in Atlanta, um, the Black Lives Matter movement really started to um, flourish, so to speak. Um, You had all these issues. Uh, with, with with crime and, and what have you, and, and and just the way folks have been thinking about how we should do policing going forward, um, I, I think all those factors contributed to uh, what happened in this election process. You know, it was a it was almost like we were looking at a confrontation of old Atlanta versus what what Atlanta could be.
3: Yeah, JD, that's a good way to that's a good way to set up that dynamic because when we were. Th- you know, first game planning this election we we've always been reporting that Andre could surge late you know that, that some polls, especially some private polls, were showing that he was gaining momentum. but to get that many of those undecided voters at the at the final stretch that 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 took a, a sea change in the campaign
2: right, definitely this you know this outcome was certainly the the rebuke of Reed is definitely a big storyline here, but also Dickens's late surge is just as important because there's a lot of voters that I talked to in the last few weeks who were decidedly anti-Kassim Reed. They weren't sure who to vote for at all, whether they were going to turn out at all. What Dickens did is he got enough of those people to not only turn out, but turn out for him over Felicia Moore. And that ultimately, especially on the east side, um, those DeKalb County precincts that came in late, that's where he saw his, uh, you know, his numbers jump and he jumped in, in second place.
3: And Leroy, what was fascinating about Andre Dickens' performance was um, you know, he, he didn't come in first in too many precincts. But he came in second in a lot of those precincts, and that helped him, you know, get that vote total that he needed to just squeeze. It looks like right by Kasim Reed.
1: Yeah, so polling consistently showed that there were two things at play here: many people were undecided, and that Kasim Reed had a large block of electorate that really did not want him. Um, so the question really coming into this with him making the runoff is that could he overcome? The negatives uh, that were actually pretty high and, and, and of course were, should have been alarming for him uh, on the front end as you think about what he needed to do. But, you know, you could, uh, you know, obviously see a path that even with uh, a crowded field, a low turnout, uh, him having 100 percent name recognition that he'd have enough to get into a runoff. And once you get into a runoff, anything can happen. Uh, but uh, it, it feels like there was a little bit of um, a desire for change. And uh, I guess that's the, we've, we've been uh, we've had several elections in a row, uh, local, state and national, where they've, they've been real really big change elections. So uh, it felt like that's part of it. And um, of the top three people who were vying for this job, um, you know, Kasim Reed, uh, you know, obviously these are all experienced politicians. But Kasim Reed is the only one who's been mayor and uh, voters had a choice to make. Uh, and his whole campaign was built around. Uh, I can return the Atlanta to something that was successful and safe. Um, but uh, clearly uh, our polling bore this out too. There were a lot of folks who felt like that uh, for whatever argument he had for being successful and safe, uh, there was also an argument for a lot of the troubles that uh, defined his tenure. And, um, and so his negatives were really, really high. So that, that really pushed it. But Dickens, uh, I think his performance showed that uh, a lot of undecided uh, broke to him. It broke to Felicia mm-hmm. Moore too. So, so let's not forget that. But enough broke to uh, to Andre Dickens to to get him past Reed, which did surprise me. I thought Reed would uh, would actually uh, edge out Dickens.
3: Now, I want to get into Council President more in a second, but first let's let's delve into more about Cassim Reed because as of this recording, he still hasn't conceded the race. But look, he's behind 600 votes to Andre Dickens. They're not, by our understanding. All the votes have already been counted, and there doesn't look to be enough provisional ballots or others that are still untallied to bridge that gap. We'll see what Kasim Reed decides to do in the next few hours, but he is in third place right now, out of the competition. He had the fundraising, the endorsements, the name recognition, but he also had a lot of weaknesses.
0: We have been here before. We have been in close elections before. We have won close elections before. And just remember, it's not easy, but the city of Atlanta is worth it.
3: That was Kasim Reed addressing his supporters earlier this morning.
0: And with the current vote count, the one thing I've said every time we're together is that each and every one of you matters. Everything you do matters. All the work you did matters. It all matters.
3: So, J.D., that's Kasim Reed putting a, a brave face on things. But what, what
2: happened? Right. I mean, if you look at where his his base has traditionally been, which is southwest Atlanta, if you look at the precinct level data, he got about 30 to, to uh, 40 of, percent of the votes there. Um, that's underperforming what Keisha Lance Bottoms did in 2017, which catapulted her into first place after the general election. Um, And so you had Andre Dickens really taking away a lot of votes there. Felicia Moore also performing fairly well in Southwest Atlanta. So ultimately his base didn't get out uh, enough compared to, to the others. Um, It it did come down to turnout and um, as expected, uh, not not enough support in Buckhead, um, definitely not enough on on the East side. Um, So it really came down to, I think, you know, what has traditionally been, you know, a a good area for him uh, really, really switching. And I think that goes back to some of the, uh, you know, negative perceptions that a lot of people have about him, like our polling showed um, different issues that bubbled up in the last few weeks of this race that I think turned some voters off. So uh, to him. So, um, yeah.
3: Well, I mean, this is an epic collapse by someone who when he got in the race, it was almost seen as a a foregone conclusion that he would, I mean, maybe not that he would win it outright, but that he would be in the high thirties or something, you know, based on his name recognition and his money advantage alone, um because everyone in the city knows him but he could not get over his toxic negative numbers in the, in the polls i mean every single poll that we saw whether it be our poll or other polls showed his his negative ratings at really high levels and they and it didn't seem like he could budge them no matter how much money they spent
0: yeah reed is a some would say is some would say was But at the end of the day, he was a visual representation of Atlanta, right? I mean, dude is smart, sharp dressing, good looking dude, a jet setter. He had folks like uh, the famous uh, former U.S. ambassador and uh, former Mayor Andrew Young talking about how, oh, I met Reed when he was 13 years old at at a church. And I said, oh, your, your Afro looks sharp, but your mind needs to be sharper when you get older course, I get a phone call, you know, and, and I'll never forget it. Young, Basically, Ambassador Young told me when he first met Reed when he was 13 at a church, he said, yeah, I, I told him uh, more or less, your Afro looks good, but you need to get your mind right. And apparently Reed looked at his dad and said, who's that guy? And his father said, oh, that's the mayor of Atlanta. And he goes, well if, well, if that guy can be mayor, I can be mayor. So clearly Reed has always uh, been a visionary uh, and he wants to leave Atlanta and he thought he could do it. And so many other others thought he could do it. As well, and clearly he did, right? He was a mayor for two terms, and arguably he, he was very successful, uh, especially helping Atlanta uh, grow more in terms of economics, uh, you know. And so he wanted to be just like Young, right? He wanted to be like all of these other great Atlanta mayors, but there's there are some issues, right? When when he left office at the se- end of the second term, mm-hmm. we saw all these issues with um, federal government pointed out. You know, and if you ask Reed, he will tell you, well, every black man who's been mayor of Atlanta has been investigated by the feds. Um, And, you know, I I think there is uh, some truth in the sense that everyone is skeptical of politicians. Right. And, you know, again, to paraphrase Ambassador Young, there are always concerns that politicians are going to lie or steal from you. And then there are also always these uh, concerns that black folks are going to lie and steal from you. So when you put that together, like black politicians, like there is some concern in parts of uh, the country, especially in Atlanta, where you've had like what fifty years of black leadership. So it, it's a lot. But again, we have a runoff with two uh, again
3: two black mm-hmm. people running. So and, and the last white mayor was Sam McSell back in 1973. Now now Leroy, let's let's get into. Um, What Will was referring to, which is the federal corruption probe uh, that has implicated several members of of Kasim Reed's administration and has netted several bribery convictions um, so far. Um, Kasim Reed has not been charged with any wrongdoing and says his lawyers have been informed by federal prosecutors that they were cleared of any charges. Um, Our polling showed that corruption was not one of the top, you know, main issues that were motivating voters, not in the sense of being in the same ballpark as crime or affordable housing or even the coronavirus pandemic. Um, But when we asked folks if they were more or less likely to vote for Kasim Reed, knowing that background, a lot of people, a vast majority of, of voters said that it made them less likely to vote for Kasim Reed. Leroy, you played an instrumental role in our coverage of that investigation how much do you think that that hurt him? And how much do you think it could have been just other factors like his personality, his competitive nature, his cutthroat political style?
1: Yeah. So um, when you think about the uh, federal investigation, I mean, the, the mayor, former mayor has uh, always professed his innocence. And uh, as far as we know, uh, they were looking at some things that uh, were, were campaign spending issues mainly. Uh, and if you look at that, if you think about uh, some corruption Probes that we've seen uh, here in Atlanta and its history and elsewhere, it, it looked like uh, a little bit of self self dealing, and and I don't want to minimize it, say a little bit, but you know we're, we're talking about some some personal expenses that he may have written off that he shouldn't have, and that that seemed to be the extent of it. And if you think about that in comparison with some of the things that were other folks who were around him, uh, either were investigated, who pled guilty, or will go to trial. Uh, those were, uh, you know, corruption issues that dealt with uh, contracting and they were deep and uh, they were that the the charges were devastating. Uh, So I don't think people were able to necessarily extract him from it. Our polling, I think, showed that some people held him accountable, though. And I think that Reid, in a very open way, said, you know, I am accountable. I should have been paying more attention. Uh, You give me another chance. uh, I certainly will do that and that he is big enough to own it and learn from it. But here's the problem, though. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that it wasn't just that. Uh, If you go back and look at that video uh, that surfaced uh, over the past uh, probably three weeks, where it really kind of took off on social media, uh, the People's Town video, uh, where you had Bertha Darden, who confronted Kasim Reed at a church, at a forum. Uh, That video... Uh, I think, for so for folks who perhaps were undecided. We had a lot of undecideds. Um, it really came down to this. I mean, is Reed doing this for himself? Because it is very unusual for a politician uh, to come back in this way. I mean, it's he served two terms. Uh, he walked off. There were some things, of course, that weren't quite perfect uh, to come back. And I think that's where the question for, for a lot of voters came is is, is you know, is Reed really going to be on my side? And when I say on my side, it's a little guy. And I think that Darden video brought something up too at the last minute that probably did hurt Reed in ways that I don't know if we can necessarily measure. But if you watch the video, it's pretty devastating because she really talks about how Reed made a promise to her, a homeowner, a senior. This is my home. We were told we would never have to move. And suddenly, Uh, she's telling a story about the administration under Reed strong-arming her family. And, you know, the facts get a little bit fuzzy, and certainly Reed has a side to this, too, that probably did not come through in that video. Uh, And the city does, too. So it's not like that that there isn't some explanation for what happened. But certainly the dynamics, targeting someone who uh, is vulnerable, you know, that that resonated. So ultimately with with Reed, you know, it became... Do I want some old politics that did not deliver for me and perhaps uh, might have been a little corrupt? Or do I want to give someone else a chance? And I think that at the end of the day, that that played a part
3: in it. J.D., both Andre Dickens and Felicia Moore capitalized on that in the final days of the campaign, kind of uniting to make this a, a bigger campaign issue.
2: Right. You really saw almost like a coalition forming around that video to attack Reed. You saw progressive activists who... Might not necessarily be aligned with with either of and either of the opposing candidates. They spoke out against it. I think you saw a lot of seniors in Southwest Atlanta really resonate with that. I know it was talked about a lot on a lot of black radio shows. Um, and then you also saw Felicia Moore and Andre Dickens really capitalize on that by by saying, you know, this is wrong. Um, you know, this is what the Reed administration was. Kind of bringing up these issues of gentrification and development, and um, you know, the, the the big guy versus little guy dynamic that. That Leroy mentioned. Um, and, you know, we, we saw Reed try, try to address this and try to assuage some of those concerns. He, you know, worked with city council members, technically, he said, as a private citizen to introduce legislation that, uh, you know, is, is trying to lead to a settlement that had its own issues with the families themselves, then saying they didn't agree to any sort of settlement and their lawyers hadn't been contacted before Reed held a press conference announcing this. So it really took on this political tone right at the end of of uh, the election, the day before election day. Um, And it kind of brought up all of those feelings um, that that certainly did not Mm -hmm. help the former mayor.
3: Well, let's take a quick break and we'll get back to talking about Felicia Moore, the front runner.
2: Donald Trump has been indicted in Atlanta. We have so many court dockets to follow, but we haven't really seen anything yet. The Atlanta
1: Journal-Constitution has covered every moment of this historic case.
3: I've been writing about this investigation for two and a half years.
1: Our team is led by reporters Bill Rankin and Tamar Hallerman. Follow our coverage on AJC.com and listen to new in-depth episodes of the award-winning podcast, Breakdown, The Trump Indictment, only from the Atlanta
0: Journal-Constitution. Our journalists at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution are working around the clock to keep you updated on all the developments surrounding the Trump indictment. Now the AJC is putting all of our coverage in one place with our new Trump 19 newsletter. Every Wednesday, you'll have our latest coverage and analysis on this historic case in your inbox. So sign up for free today at AJC.com slash indictment newsletter. That's all one word. AJC.com slash indictment newsletter.
3: And we're back to the Politically Georgia podcast. I'm your host, Greg Bluestein. I'm joined by AJC City Hall reporters, Will Novos and J.D. Capaluto, and our boss, Leroy Chapman. Now, I promise we would talk about Felicia Moore the front-runner in this. And you know, she was the clear leader in all the polls, and the polls bore out right for her because she had a commanding lead. There was never really any suspense at all. We still have much work to do, and there will
0: be only 28 days, very short period of time, and a holiday in there,
3: uh, for us to make sure that we shape uh, the future of Atlanta. Felicia Moore says she knows what voters want her to accomplish.
0: We want an Atlanta, I think we all do, where it's safe to jog down the street, where it's safe to pump your gas, where it's safe to even sleep in your own bed without bullets flying through your window. I see some people out there know what I'm talking about.
3: Look, that's another reminder that it wasn't just Kasim Reed that said crime was the number one, number two, number three issues, that other candidates felt the same way. And Felicia Moore, Will, she had a very muscular anti-crime policy as well.
0: Yeah, Absolutely um you know Moore has this uh plan to fight violent crime in the city she says she wants to she says she wants to focus on children cops courts community and code enforcement right she wants to get like rehire at least uh 200 new officers um within her first 100 days if she's elected um so yeah she's I mean when she entered the race in, in January she she uh immediately said and, and JD could uh, correct me on this, or clarify me on this, like public safety was like her her main uh, policy within her platform.
2: So, Right. It, it's been the main one throughout. And just, you know, I guess to preview a little bit of the what we can expect in the runoff, Andre Dickens also has a crime plan. Um, it's actually kind of fitting. I wrote about uh, Dickens's crime plan when it came out. Uh, Will, you wrote about uh, Felicia Moores. But yeah, he also wants to Uh, hire more cops and do more community policing. So I'm excited to really get more into the nuts and bolts of their two different policies uh, on on this and other issues to help voters kind of differentiate them. Because it feels like up until now, it's been a lot about the, uh, you know, whether you can trust the candidates or uh, a a lot of uh, voters were, you know, just kind of going off the personalities of the candidates, that sort of thing. Um, But this runoff, I think, will really be a little bit more policy focused.
3: Uh, Leroy, what surprised me and fascinated me really was the geographic split. Um, Moore was far and away the favorite candidate of Atlanta's north side, but she also held her own in many places across the rest of Atlanta, coming in second, um, in sometimes third, but you know, often second. What do you think there was the reason for that appeal, especially in the north side?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I'm interested to find out because I'm not sure I, I altogether know. I mean, obviously, the the one big issue in that area that seemed to play out was the issue of crime. And uh, I think in, in looking at uh, Felicia, she was astute enough to understand that that was an issue and she's been addressing it in a, in a certain way. Uh, I also found it interesting too, that um, when we got down to the areas uh, east of the city that that also go into DeKalb County, that that Dickens uh, really picked up uh, some, some momentum there. And that seemed to be decisive uh, too, in him eclipsing uh, Kasim Reed. So uh, I think it's it, it's it, what we'll have to do, and the ground we have to cover here, in understanding some of the geography. And I think uh, one of what we one of the things that we did in covering this race or going neighborhood to neighborhood, uh, it's going to help us to go back now that we've got a clear picture mm-hmm. of the candidates, because I think then focusing neighborhood to neighborhood on the issue that's most important to them, because you know while while. Crime certainly uh, has been the issue. Uh, there are also some issues underneath that people care about. And if you live in a community, uh, one especially where you've seen uh, development and housing prices spike and you're worried about whether or not the neighborhoods you invested in and you've lived in for 30 years uh, will hold together, uh, you know, crime is probably a maybe a co-number one or maybe even secondary to that. So so there are some other issues I think that we're going to find out about uh, as we you know, get into the the nuts and bolts of the race, and we cover this over the next uh, thirty days, or a little less than thirty days.
3: That's a perfect segue because the AJC had more than a dozen reporters covering the election and all the issues around it, including reporters who fanned out across the city to take the temperature of, of voters to find out what really mattered to the residents of Atlanta. And here's a sample of what we got. What brought me out to the polls today? The high crime rates need to stop in Atlanta and we need better housing for everyone.
0: If I had to choose what my top issue was, it's crime. Um, I, a couple of weeks ago, I was attacked getting out of my car. This city is going to hell in a handbasket, basically. Uh, and God help us if Buckhead succeeds
2: uh, because our taxes here are just going to go crazy. And then Buckhead City, I think, is done. I don't support Buckhead becoming a city. I think it has a lot of problems.
3: Well, I think having a well-run city, Mm -hmm. we need uh, officials that will actually govern Mm -hmm. and take care of our homeless situation. Defining the police, socialism, crisis at the borders, inflation. I personally support, like,
2: defunding
3: the police and having more social services yeah. instead. Well, that is a broad range of topics from defund the police to crisis at the border, which is something that the city of Atlanta's mayor has no control over whatsoever, but is but is similar to what we hear in statewide elections too when 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 folks want statewide candidates to do things that that even the president has really, really little control over. Um, so, I mean, th- that gave us a glimpse, J.D., at the at the broad array of topics that these mayors, uh, that, that whoever wins this runoff will have to face.
2: Definitely. And we did kind of a, a version of, of that uh, a few weeks ago as well, where we, we identified six different neighborhoods around the city, went to them and talked to voters. And, and crime did kind of emerge as a top issue there. But very, you know, if not equal in some neighborhoods, just below it was just this issue of growth and housing development, zoning, it kind of all, you know, coalesces there. Um, and so I think you're going to see a lot of the conversation possibly pivot to, uh, in this runoff, talking more about housing as well as transit in addition to these crime plans. Um, because, you know, we saw Kasim Reed tried to, crime was, his entire campaign pretty much was was 100% crime and fighting crime. He pivoted back to that at every single appearance. Um, it didn't work out for him. So, curious to see kind of how how that pivots and i will add one thing about felicia moore and her support in buckhead she represented a, a district in northwest atlanta that included some of buckhead for for 20 years on the council um, so she's pretty heavily entrenched um, in a lot of community groups there um, i believe relied on them for a lot of support during the uh her city council president race four years ago um and a lot of buckhead is also very anti kasim reed and saw her i believe as the most viable non kasim choice
3: that was my old West Atlanta district. She used to come to our, our, our HOA meetings awesome. pretty faithfully. It was, it was always fun to see her show up to an HOA meeting with maybe 15 people and she'd be mm-hmm. among them. Um, you know, in our exit interviews, we also got a clue of, of, of the issues that will drive the next four weeks, uh, especially when we asked voters who wanted to tell us who they voted for.
2: Helping the homeless equal rights, all of those things, I I tend to be very progressive on all of those types of issues, and I just felt like Andre was more on the progressive side on all Mm -hmm. those things.
3: I voted for Andre because he grew up in the city Mm -hmm. and in a neighborhood that needs more attention.
2: For mayor, I voted for Andre Dickens. I think he had the best platform and the most experience along with it.
3: So know that a lot of people were mentally preparing for a read verse more, um, but the dynamics of this race will be completely different now that we know that Andre Dickens will likely be in that second runoff spot. Uh, uh, will, what should we expect the next four weeks?
0: Yeah, I think, you know, we're going to see a more policy-heavy uh, dialogue among candidates, which is good, right? We're not going to uh, these candidates do not have time, <laughs> right, to talk about you know uh, corruption and, and accountability and the trend. like. We get that. We we hope right. Um, the boulders picked you to because they felt like you that wouldn't be a distraction. You know, c- concerns about you know. You know, government abuse of power and abuse of po- privilege and what have you. So let's talk about crime. Let's talk about housing. To Leroy's point, I mean, two things that happened that really uh, affected Mr. Reed, uh, in my opinion, the NAACP statement was really strong against him uh, and the issue uh, with, with uh, Mrs. Bertha Darton that went viral mm-hmm. online. But those two things have in common affordable housing displacement, you know, the NAACP mentioned uh, affordable housing was an issue during, um, you know, the former mayor's administration. So yeah, we need to talk about crime. We need to talk about affordable housing displacement. We also need to talk about income inequality because this city, you know, Dickens often uses the, the quote about a tale of two cities, right? So mm-hmm. uh, we got to get into all of that, you know, and, and that's what these folks have to do before November 30th. So I, I don't envy them at all.
3: Uh, Leroy, take your pundit hat off, your editor hat on. What are you most interested in in learning about about this race in the next four weeks? And we're taking notes.
1: Yeah, well, I think it's, you know, this is like down the stretch politics where you have to make a closing argument. So what do you choose? Uh, Are you going to run a campaign where it's about biography and destiny and, you know, I am uh, one of you? And we are like-minded in what we're going to f- fix here. Um, you know, is it going to be that kind? Or, you know, I'm just wondering if these candidates, uh, will they in, in some way, you know, turn against each other a little bit, try to dirty each other up? Um, it, it's going to be fascinating because, you know, this is a wide open race, really. I mean, g- given that Felicia Moore got 40 percent, uh, certainly that gives us some advantage. But still, I think that there's probably some persuadable people once you – really take measure of the two of them. And I'm really interested in how they run against each other. Uh, so uh, they've got, both have, um, of course, the, uh, their, their city council experiences, their records. Uh, you know, Felicia's is a little bit longer, but I think Dickens will try to draw a, a contrast really with uh, his, uh, his background and some of the things he's done in terms of trying to help, uh, you know, one thing that I think Atlanta struggles with or has struggled with, is making sure that its education system is creating job-ready kids who are able to participate in the city's prosperity. Now, what I mean by that is that uh, you know Andre Dickens obviously has a story to tell too with his coding uh, boot camp that has uh, helped help kids, and um, he'll he'll probably tell that story. But I think that uh, as as Will and and JD are pointing out. Um, beyond crime, there are some economic and housing issues here that that are resonant with uh, with a lot of uh, folks. So we, we'll be looking at that. And it'll be interesting to see of the two of them who makes an argument, because unlike Reed, Reed was able to always point to, you know, this economic development, this mm-hmm. company who came them. It's it's a little bit more organic. But I think also there's a little bit more connection to the problem. And the problem is that Atlanta is especially for African Americans a black mecca. Still, you can make that argument, but you can also make the argument that it benefits a great deal of people like me who come here from all over the South uh, and uh, wind up taking jobs, and 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 it's not jobs that people who like Kasim Reed or graduating from Westlake High School and going into uh, a profession or going to. Uh, Uh, to college and and participating there's too few african-americans who are are taking that
2: path
3: jd you get the last comment
2: yeah i uh like leroy said i think it's going to be really interesting to see how these two officials run against each other they served on council for the last eight years together um and i I think you could see we heard in that audio clip a lot of more progressive voters going for andre i think you'll see him try and really win uh you know that uh, segment of the electorate um and maybe pitch Felicia Moore as more conservative and so you'll kind of see her maybe try and grapple with that or, or kind of balance that. Um but and let's not forget that Felicia Moore also has citywide experience running too. They both have citywide experience um in elections. So you know they know where the votes are. Um it'll it'll be an interesting one to watch for sure. It's gonna not be a fun ride, expected. guys.
3: It is going to be a fun ride. Well, that is it for this edition of the Politically Georgia podcast. Watch out for the weekly Race for City Hall newsletter curated by J.D. and Will each week. And also check out the morning Joe in your inboxes every morning around 8. It is all made possible because of subscribers like you. Thank you so much for listening. I'm
1: Ernie Suggs, race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution.